0: hello out there we're on the air it's hockey night tonight tension grows the whistle blows and the puck goes down the ice the all right
1: welcome back to vegas hockey hotline powered by station casinos and the stn sports apps that's stevie Slapshot. i on dana lane brian blessing studios thanks for joining us lots to talk about with the golden knights They're hanging on to their uh, playoff lives right now, and maybe with Dallas having four games in hand, I'm not sure. (laughs) We'll see what happens with that. Uh, They'll face Winnipeg tomorrow at MTS, and we want to talk about this. An old friend here in Las Vegas, and if you've been here in this town for a long time, uh, you know this uh, this name, or maybe not this name, uh, but you definitely <laughs> will recognize the voice. You might recognize him by Frank Andrews, uh, oh, but boy. we welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we want to welcome in to the show Zig Percasi and and Frank. I was just reminded of that about thirty seconds ago, and it blew my mind because it really takes me back. Because when I had when I got here in ninety two, I, I you know was in the military and you know, between you and Frank Harnish, guys who were here locally, I, I mean, you know, Papa Joe at the time, yep. you know, I mean, these names all came back to me. And when I finally found you again, I think after maybe you left, uh, I think it was one-on-one sports in Chicago, I, I heard you on the NHL radio network and I thought, oh, that's gotta be Zig. And, and there was a little bit of a gap between them, but Zig, you know, kind of reminisce a little bit about those times and and where you've been since, and you're doing pretty well because I hear you on a consistent basis on Sirius XM.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, and of course, Vegas has always had a special place for me. It was uh, the best move I ever made moving out of Niagara Falls back in 1985 and uh, spent 16 great years there, and uh, you mentioned, um, gosh, Guys, going to be thirty years. Did my first national That's show right. on New Year's New Year's Eve night. My old friend Larry Ness, because I worked Ugh. over at uh, the Jim Feist organization, and Larry was doing a nationally syndicated show at ballast. Uh, yeah, right at the at the sports book, and at the time that was uh, the Sports Entertainment Network before SCN. it became One on One. And you know, long story short. Uh, had a ton of calls that night and was able to work for that great organization for, you know, about a year and a half, two years before they made the move. I did not go to Chicago, but then that's where I wound up at Sports Fan Radio. Uh, grateful to Charlie Barker for that. And at the time, guys, uh, you know, they loved my work, but for some ridiculous reason, they didn't want me using Zig Fercasi on the air. And I'm like, all right, well, whatever, and I need the money and all this. I need the job. <laughs>
1: I'll be whatever you so want.
2: I I happen to be talking to my brother, and his name is Frank Andrew Fricasse. So after a while, I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just pluralize his last name? And then, hence, that's where I was Frank Andrews for about six and a half years before, you know, a sports fan ultimately shut down, moved back to uh, my native Western New York, worked at WNSA for – about a, a two and a half years, they were the radio flagship of the Buffalo Sabres. The sister station was Empire Sports Network, one of those regional TV networks. And then, because of the uh, Adelphia Regis family fiasco, we'll yeah, we've heard it, the
1: story. Yes. Um, a lot.
2: Yeah. I live the story, believe me. <laughs> so, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, all of us wound up losing our gigs and all that. And then. Gosh, the end of uh, 2004, there was this little thing called Serious NFL Radio, and an old friend of mine uh, who I worked with in Vegas was uh, a producer there, and now he's running the darn thing, Nick Pavlatos, and he took me on, and then ultimately it got to grow into different other, you know, with updates and hosting and such and all different sorts of duties. Long story short, I've been uh, now with the merger in 2009, Sirius XM for the last 18 years and couldn't be happier.
1: Well, the reason why we've heard the story so much is our mutual friend Brian Blessing also lived oh, it as yeah. well. And mm. Brian would, you know, he would tell me the mm. story, you know, 16 times and think it was brand new every time. But, you know, just explain. I mean, we've talked to everybody. I mean, we, there's been so many people that have come on and talked about Brian and what, oh, what yeah. he's meant to them. I mean, and he, uh, we didn't know or I didn't know rather that you knew Brian and then Brian brought it up one day because I used, uh, we were talking about the guys that we used to listen to when we first got to town and, you know, Larry was one of them and you were certainly one of them. Papa Joe, the stinking genius and the chic. And I mean, all these guys that used to work at the old uh, uh, KVG when it was sports. So, Talk about your relation real quick with with Brian and what he meant to you. And I I always knew when he talked about you, Zig, there was always kind of like a special place for for you in his heart.
2: Yeah, uh, and again, it's really hard to believe that uh, our dear friend is gone. But uh, he he was a character Uh, where I go back with him. Gosh, I remember when he was the weekend sports anchor at the CBS affiliate WIVB in Buffalo. So I, I watched Brian on sports all the time. And then fast forward to 1984, um, I'm at Niagara County Community College, and uh, who's one of my instructors? Brian Blessings. So <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, this is going to be kind of cool having a TV guy as a, you know, as a uh, an instructor. And yeah, we became. I've heard this story. <laughs> yeah, we became we became fast friends and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, he was always great to me. In fact, he asked me to come over to Channel 4 a couple times. And I, you know, I, I was going to intern for him. But then, you know, my, my emphasis was more towards radio. So I didn't do it. And then, you know, for a long period of time, we had lost touch a little bit. Um, but then 2001, uh, I wound up moving back to... Uh, like I mentioned, native my native Western New York, and working for WNSA and doing a little bit every once in a while for Empire Sports Network. And here's Brian, uh, along with the former Sabers defenseman Mike Robotai, hosting this wildly popular show after Sabers games called Hockey Hotline. So we reestablished our you know friendship there, and I'll never forget. A, you know, I was doing the radio show a couple times and. I I despise the New York Yankees. I always have. So when you're talking in summertime, you know, I would start railing on the Yankees. And then Brian would call in every once in a while, and he's like, Zig, I've been a fan since the Horace Clark days when they won 65 games back in 1966 and all this kind of thing. So he would always kind of chime in and try to take down my Yankee rants. But uh, Hmm. then years later, um, I knew he was moving to Vegas, and I remember – we talked at length uh, a couple of years ago, you know, cause I think he was trying to see if he could catch on with Sirius XM. And I told him, well, geez, call, call one of my bosses here. Maybe they could hook you up and all that. And then I, I find out years later, I mean, he's got the, the, the show going through you guys and, um, you know, just wildly connected and having a great time. And, yeah. um, it was just very saddened to hear about, uh, his passing recently, but, uh, he was a character, and to me, he was authentic. What he said, it's what a he thought,
1: great word, great yeah, word. It
2: was it, it was true. It was really true. We miss him dearly.
1: That's why him and I got along so well because it's you know whether I'm on the air or I'm talking to my wife or talking to my kids, it's the same. He's the same Brian Blessing, yep. no matter where he is, and that's the quality. Uh, that we really clicked on. And I for that, I mean, that that's why – I mean, those are really hard. It, those kind of relationships are so hard to find, and that's why it's been – Especially I think, in this business. Yeah, so. exactly. And that's why I think it's so devastating, not only to me, but then you look at you know everybody else, and I know to Stevie as well. You look at everybody else, and, and they found that same kinship with him. And so everybody that we have come on that we haven't talked to yet just – you know, I, you can see it, it. You can see it in their words that how much this man meant, and that's why we've named. You know, the the station here named a studio after him, and I have him that's up awesome. on my Twitter page. And I mean, he. You know, I guess at the end of the day, I, I we're trying to, you know, cope with this and kind of put it in a box a little bit. I think at the end of the day, Zig, that you know, if we could have that impact on other people what more could we ask for in life because that's the greatest impact that you could ever have and and he can certainly uh, say that he had it
2: oh absolutely and, and and you know in any type of thing too you know not to get too sappy here but you know you can you you there's there's envy there's jealousy maybe somebody uh who's doing what you're doing's getting paid a little more or getting you know more I'm sure of that trips this kind of thing <laughs> and there's petty jealousies, but, you know, deep down, I, I think if you find somebody you like to work with, then you feel like you're impacting them, they're impacting exactly. you. And, and sure enough, you know, again, we all hold uh, Brian dear. And I think that's a special trait. When, when you are what you are, being authentic and genuine, uh, that's that's a legacy that's going to live on. And hopefully, like you say, Dan and then Steve, we're able to do that. Uh, you know, people. Uh, have the impact that he had on us, and then we try to share it with them.
3: Thank you for your thoughts, Zig. We, we, we miss him dearly, and we, we appreciate your thoughts on him. Sure. Let, 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 let's, let's talk some hockey. I, I love when we got a guy from out of town uh, on, on the line because I, I know what people around here think of the VGK. Uh, what do you see? Is it is it just the injuries? Is that the major issue? You you've known Pete DeBoer forever. Is is his scheme just not working here? Does he not have the right personnel? What do you think of the Knights from afar?
2: Well, again, and you bring it up too that yeah, I am from afar, but I do watch a fair amount of games. I do actually stay up past ten Eastern to watch hockey. So uh, even though it's rough on the sleep with the commute to New York, but. Uh, in all seriousness, I, I, again, uh, what I see is a lack of finish. Now, last night, would they have four against, you know, uh, uh, Columbus? But yet they allow six. So that means when when it's going bad, you may play good defense, but you can't finish, which I think is one of the primary problems. Exactly. And last night, you finished four times, but you can't stop the goal. So uh, to me, there's an inconsistency there. Um, I thought I think Eichel's actually played pretty well since joining them, but unfortunately, I don't know, maybe he's brought his Buffalo losing karma with him where the two guys that went to Buffalo have revived the Sabres and Peyton Krebs and, you know, obviously Alex Tuck looked the way they're playing. But with Vegas, I, I think it's a multitude of things. From what I see, uh, Stone's leadership is sorely missing. You know, Pacioretty and Eichel and some of these other guys – are maybe the glamour names. Mark Stone, let me call it like it is, is the testosterone to that team. He's the engine that drives things. And when he's not in there, to me, that means every everyone else suffers quite a bit. So I think that's a big part of it, not being able to finish. Uh, the defense has been okay, although I believe they miss Martinez quite a bit. And now the goaltending situation. I mean, Leonard, I guess, was sent back to Vegas uh, for his injury. That's not a good thing. Do you really trust Brassois or uh, Thompson long-term? I don't know if you can. I think this is the real first adversity uh, the Golden Knights have gone through. And it makes you wonder, you know, too, they're going to have to make some tough decisions going forward on the salary cap, on some personnel you know, do they have enough uh, young replacements for this? So uh, this is the first time in what the five years they've been in existence they're going through. And, and Pete DeBoer, the guy's a hell of a coach. He's reached several milestones. He's taken two teams to the finals. So I don't think the problem's Pete DeBoer. I think it's the problem of inconsistency, most notably to me, guys not being able to finish and missing Mark Stone's leadership
1: in his grade. We're talking to Zig Farkasi, Sirius XM, NHL Radio Network. And Ziggy, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, it's the finish. They get into the offensive zone, swing the puck around, you know, two passes, you know, maybe the low high. But it's that third finish pass that we saw last night that Columbus absolutely was terrific at. And the Golden Knights were not even on the same page. You know, I understand that there's – Very little you can do. I mean, we could probably do sum this up in five minutes about okay, there's the injury issues obviously that trickles down and really has an effect on everybody else on the team because you're asking everybody else to step up and be in right. a position that they're not used to being in or anticipated being in so obviously it's difficult and then you don't have a backstop where you know you can't rely uh, you can't bring you can't be aggressive you can't bring your D men up into the play very much because you don't know what you have behind you exactly. so all of this Zig, to ask you if the Golden Knights could go back one more time and, and make that choice about Fleury and Leonard, do you think they would keep uh, Mark andre Fleury here?
2: Oh, there's, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, th- this guy is a Hall of Fame goaltender. I think he's actually performed pretty well for Chicago, uh, with their leaky defense, and you know, again, I, I admire the heck out of Robin Leonard. He's been a pretty Absolutely. good goalie in this league, yes. And also, again, what he's stood for and what he's overcome uh, in his personal life—it's to be celebrated. in his honesty it is, to me, a uh, sports media person's dream because you love people to be honest. But just in terms of production, durability, consistency, and gosh, and even in Vegas, I mean, the guys extremely likable. I would have probably sided with keeping uh, Marc-Andre Fleury because he still has play left in his game.
3: The trade deadline's coming up, uh, Zig. Uh, there's some names out there. I've always liked Thomas Hurdle. He, he's available. Apparently Colorado talked to Chicago about Patrick Kane. Uh, Max Domi, if you're looking to add some grit for the playoffs. Uh, Brock Besser, I'm not... I've always liked Brock Besser. I thought, I think he's a good hockey player. I I just expect a little more out of him. I I thought he should be a, a, a twenty-five to thirty goal scorer consistently, and he hasn't yeah, been there. there
1: now. Yep, he's playing a lot oh, better. Right, uh, as of late.
3: Yeah, I,
2: I'm with Jan Besser because I expected you know a lot more out of him, and you'd have thought maybe Boudreau would have brought a little more out of him. Um, you know, and some other names too. I was reading. Uh, Piece on the uh, Boston dot now dot com, which, by the way, those are really good websites. The Vegas Hockey Now and all that—that chain—they do a terrific job covering it. Um, Lindholm from Anaheim, I think, would be for a team like Boston, would be a real nice upgrade. Would probably be a good first pairing with McAvoy. Uh, you know, Raquel, another guy who's I think a twenty-goal scorer, and then. You know, the, the big name out there still is Giroux, and he's been earmarked to Colorado, and now you're going to start seeing, you know, the stories about the abs, like what, Landis Cog needs surgery, so now they are putting, it, they may put him on long-term injured, which would free up cap room, and then obviously you could go with the Tampa route like they did and go over the cap and all this kind of thing. So you wonder if that's something Colorado uh, might be thinking um, in terms of like Vegas. I, I don't know what what more you could do. I mean, gosh, you made your monster trade with Eichel already, and again, with the way things are going, and you know they may have to dump salary uh, depending if if Stone if they can activate him for the playoffs. Uh, that's another matter. But until then, do you make a panic move? Do you have to unload a Riley Smith or somebody along those lines? Trade deadline, to me, guys, I, I think it lasts way too long. It should have happened already, but that's just me thinking. I think you'll see some guys on the move. But, again, it depends on the situation. If you're a team that's go for it now, do you give up a first-rounder for a rental, for example? I don't know if certain teams would do that. Other teams might. Again, it's just let the buyer beware, and we'll see where it goes.
1: You bring up the the Bruins, egg and You know, I mean – it that's my sh- team. It, well – it's mine too, Zig. I mean, that's why you. That's right. That's why you and I. Uh, you know, we'll I get along. I, well. See, here's yes. the thing. Here's the secret. Here's the radio secret. I don't want anybody knowing. I talk about the Bruins a lot, just like boss. It, you know, Brian brought up Buffalo, but I'm trying oh, to be yeah. secretive about it, so <laughs> the listeners don't say, "Well, he's always talking about Notre Dame. He's always talking about the Bruins. He's always talking." You know, about we the Cowboys. get
2: along well too. Another Notre Dame guy. Oh yeah, too. no, no.
1: Believe me, I when I first heard you heard you, Zig. As time went on, and I learned your teams, I, I was like, "This is my guy." This guy obviously knows sports above anybody else. And so I was very happy to have you on today. But going over to Boston again, when the season started, it looked like, hey, look, this is going to be a top-heavy team for sure. But now as the season has progressed, somehow Charlie Coyle has been able to uh, contribute. There's really three lines now. Yeah. Even with Holla going up in that second line, and I loved Eric Holla. I mean, this is a guy that you know lit it up here in Vegas before his injury. Now you're looking at really three lines in Boston, and I guess the only question is now, what are, are you going to get any blue line scoring, which they've started to a little bit, a top pairing scoring a little bit, but now the only question is, you're going in with Swayman and Allmark into the postseason. Are these two guys that are seasoned enough to, to push you through and deep into the postseason?
2: that that's going to be the, you know, the ultimate question needs to be answered. I, I've, I've been on the Swayman bandwagon for a couple of years now. There just seems to be something about this kid that I haven't seen from a Boston homegrown goalie Dana in, 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 I don't know ever, you know, I thought we saw a little bit of it from Ray crop, but then on, you know, years later they moved him to Toronto. And I think that was part of the Rask trader yep. that may have been part of it. So there you go. Um, all Mark's been good. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I think people need to understand, too, you know, when you're played in Buffalo, unfortunately that franchise, which I think, by the way, is on the way back a little bit, but uh, until then, uh, this is a team that hasn't played in the playoffs. So you get into that mindset about, well, you ain't got to worry about playing in the playoffs, playing an important game. So well, I'll be curious to see how uh, those two respond to that. Um Yeah, well, I still think now DeBrusque is going to be moved because now, even with playing with Bergeron and Marchand, his play is, is plateaued once again, and it's really kind of frustrating as to why that is. But the move of the year to me was Cassidy, I guess if you will, he broke the emergency glass, got the fire hydrant out, and decided to make the move to put Pasternak in with uh, Halla and also Taylor Hall. That line's been terrific. And And then once Frederick came back to pair him with Coyle and and, um, Craig Smith, who's been on fire, even the fourth line has been uh, consistent. But, again, with the Bruins, I think the questions are going to be, like you talked about, will the uh, younger goaltending hold up, and can they add a top four, preferably left-shot stout defenseman, a.k.a. a Hampus Lindholm, to help them make that run. I would like to see them go after Hurdle because this way, um, if Bergeron retires after this season, then you might have your potential number one setter to replace him. But again, he's an unrestricted. And if you're making a deal like that, along with a a Lindholm, you can't do it for a rental. You got to make sure there's at least some assurance you can get them on a long-term deal. So that's where I see the Bruins... Uh, by next week's trade deadline.
3: Back to the West Coast, Zig. Uh, Todd McClellan's job with the Los Angeles Kings has just been fantastic, in my opinion. I didn't see this coming. Did you see this coming, Zig?
2: I did. I did. Uh, I actually started to see pieces of it last year because it, it was clear that they had to move on. You know, from those two Cup winners. Now they were smart. Obviously, they kept the core four there of Quick and. Brown and Kopitar, you know, and um, Drew Doughty, who unfortunately is her. How about them, though? Jeez. I think they had seven regulars out last night, and uh, they're still able to beat uh, a top team like Florida. But then, you know, you started to see them going to the youth and the kid that's from the Buffalo area, Alex Iafalo, um, Kembe, who I think was one of those guys that they expected – a lot out of, was a little slower developing. You know, not every one of these guys can be Crosby or Ovechkin coming into the league. Sometimes you need a few years to round your game. Now, he's their top goal scorer, so you've got that youth. I thought the addition of a guy like Kalia was was really smart. Um, you know, Cal Peterson uh, splitting the duties with Quick and Nets. Um, I started to see pieces of this last year, so Maybe they're a year ahead, I think, of where people thought they'd be. But, uh, again, you got to credit Luke Robitaille and uh, Rob Blake and uh, Todd McClellan, who's been a pretty good coach uh, for his nurturing style. Uh, the Kings are a formidable team. And, like I said, seven regulars out last night, and they still you know, could knock off a team like Florida. That was pretty impressive to me.
1: Yeah, I guess you can do it with injuries, right?
2: <laughs> you can. <laughs> but, you know, what that also means, too, there's other guys – like step up, like a guy who, who has the big shot. FERC, who I think they uh, loaned to Ontario today, so they had to make a roster move there. But here's a guy that was in Detroit's organization, had the big shot, some good offensive game, and you wonder why a team like Detroit bailed. And then here he goes to the Kings, and granted he's stuck in the AHL, but produced on the NHL level. You get those guys that are hungry and all that, so uh, the Kings have been able to interchange and... Again, that was a very impressive game last night against Florida.
1: Well, Zig, we appreciate you coming on. It's fantastic, as anticipated, and hopefully you won't be a stranger to the show.
2: Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy it.
1: All right, there you go, Zig Fricasse from the SiriusXM NHL Radio Network, and we'll be back with Jeff Jeff Sabota, writer for the Blue Jackets.com.
5: Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar & Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with
4: grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you.
1: Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our Power Play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a Power Play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag #AdamCutnerPowerPlay, And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter,
4: Go Knights Go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights superfans for the Terribles Game Day Giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights' home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree! Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game.
5: Terribles Game Day Giveaway. It's only Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar & Grill 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season.
4: STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any station, casino, or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks.
1: Okay, back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. I'm Dana Lane along with Stevie Slapshot. I love the music today. music has been good. Thank you. Yeah. I just just hit a button. Close my
3: eyes and hit a button.
1: Uh, Let me ask you, do you have access, like if I say... I need you to play, tempt or you know. Bands uh, I that.
3: could I could pull it up on the computer.
1: You could pull it up. Yep. Okay. You're working. I'm just we'll trying see. to infiltrate music somehow. We'll see. We'll thing. see, and then we'll see how it goes. Last night, Vegas Golden Knights take it on the chin again <laughs> against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and from BlueJackets.com, dot com, we have Jeff Sabota on. And, and Jeff, from your viewpoint, I know what it looked like in my living room. It just looks like this team is is one uh, pass away, and, and they're a goaltender away. They're they're just little mistakes all over the ice that don't necessarily get uh, you know get noticed. But it's probably not the team you thought was going to come in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think one thing I will say is I think the unfortunate part for Vegas was that they didn't, at least early on in the game, um, Logan Thompson you know, playing in his fourth career game, so he's a young guy, but just was was really bobbling pucks, really had trouble controlling rebounds and stuff like that. And I think that hurt because Vegas gets out to a two one lead in that game. And honestly at that point Yeah, and Columbus comes out and, you know, they're missing two of their top scorers and Boone Jenner and Jake Boracek and and the Jackets score an early goal, but then Vegas takes that two one lead and I kinda thought, okay, this is where Vegas might kinda pull away here and, and have the ability uh, to kind of impose their will a little bit on the Blue Jackets, uh, just because of the fact that the Jackets, you know, didn't have a lot going for them at that point. And then, you know, Oliver Bjorkstrand out hustles somebody for a puck. They get a goal from Cole Sillinger off the resulting pass. You know, they score on the next shift on a goal that Thompson probably wants back from Oliver Bjorkstrand. And suddenly it goes from, you know, two to one to three to two the other direction. Uh, and then from there, Columbus just got confident and kind of took over that game. But yeah, it, it is clear, you know, and I'm obviously coming from the Columbus perspective, but it does look like this is a Vegas team that just hasn't quite figured out what they're trying to be right now. Um, I don't know if it's the introduction of Michael. I don't know if it's just one of those stretches where you have to go through it, but it's just, it looks like it's been a struggle for the the Golden Knights. And even last night, you know, they just, uh, you know, they kept coming and they, and they had some chances, but you know, this is a shorthanded Blue Jackets team and, and it's not going to probably be a playoff team. And they were able to, to get the victory and really, you know, play very well, control portions of that game, which is probably not ideal. If you're a team like the Golden Knights that really needs points right now.
1: And, and Jeff, I know what, Believe me, I, I know what the rest of the, the the NHL is saying about Vegas. You know, we act like it's a rite of passage to get into the postseason. Uh, you know, the fans here are going berserk because you know, even though they're hanging on to that last playoff spot, we know that you know Dallas has four games in hand, so might get worse before it gets better it, from a Blue Jackets perspective. And you know, for a team that's out of the playoff picture right now boy, they're playing really good hockey. Did you, did you get the feel that they went into that game thinking, man, I, we can smell blood in the water and we really need to get this one?
0: I think from uh, from the Blue Jackets' perspective, the thing is that they've been playing a lot of games recently against teams that are in playoff position. Uh, the Jackets are now, after that win last night, are 12-6-2 in the last 20. Uh, six of those wins have come against teams that are in, in playoff spots right now, including that win against Vegas last night. And so – this is a team that has been going through a very difficult stretch of its schedule and has been playing very well through it. So there was a confidence there, I think, uh, that, that going into that game, Columbus did not feel as though uh, – I, I, they knew, certainly, that they had to play well uh, to be able to play with Vegas. Uh, that was a message stretch, uh, stressed by head coach Brad Larson. You know, they knew Vegas is a desperate team that was going to come in needing points. So I think they were ready to go from the beginning. And, and they, they're a team that feels they can play with the best teams in the league. You know, They've beaten some really good teams recently. They've beaten Toronto. They've beaten – Uh, the Florida Panthers. Uh, There's been some really good games in this last stretch of Blue Jackets hockey that there is a a certain belief about the Jackets right now. And so I I think they went in um, not so much thinking as much about the opponent as as much as it was just keep kind of playing the hockey that they've been playing uh, and and keep playing with the confidence that they've been playing with in recent games. And, And a big calling card for the Jackets this year has been their ability to come back from adversity and whether it would be players out of the lineup where they did not have, you know, the captain Boone Jenner and and veteran Jake Borachek last night. Uh, They have now have 20 comeback victories, which I think is the most in the NHL. It is. Uh, It's a team that just keeps playing. And so I think that they just wanted to keep doing that. And Vegas, unfortunately, uh, from the the Vegas perspective, kind of ran into a team that had a lot of belief. And and even when things went well for Vegas, the Jackets were able to bounce back from it and and go from there. Yeah. And not
1: only do they have – uh, the number one, I think they're tied for number one in comeback vi- victories, but they're also number one in wins after trailing in the first period. And you know, there's teams that are outside the the postseason right now that you know you don't get a real good vibe about. You know, I mean, you have a, a, a even teams that you you do have good vibes about, like the Sabers and and like the Jackets. It, is there still a I mean, there's a lot of games left, Jeff. I mean, to look up at the standings and and say, and you know, Capitals are starting to heat up again. But to look up at the standings and see the Capitals and know, you know, hey, we just got through beating uh, a playoff team technically without uh, without two of our best you know players on the ice. I mean, there's got to be some sort of confidence there, even though you're out of a playoff spot right now. There's a lot of games left.
0: Yeah, and the the problem is for the Jackets, there's just so much ground to make up. Uh, they're right around the 500 level, which normally would be something that would put you right in the playoff race. But I think um, there's only 22 games left for the Jackets, and I think they're 13 points back of the Caps for the last spot in the East. Uh, the East is just so top heavy this year that it's going to be really hard to, to get back up to that point to, to get back in it with the Caps. I mean, Columbus would basically have to win out from here on out. It seems like to really be in the mix, or the Caps would have to collapse, and so. Um, It seems like that's unlikely, but there is, you know, just the the faint belief of a playoff hope has energized this team because this was a team that came into the season. Everyone picked them to finish last in the Metro division. Um, It was pretty much uniform uh, with with the the turnover that they had and and basically committing to a rebuild or what they're calling a reload that there was going to be a tough year here, but uh, this team has, they've gelled. Uh, They have some confidence right now. They went through a real good start, a tough stretch through uh, December and January. But something's just clicked since the All-Star break. And so there is a lot of belief there. And there is something um, to be said for the way that they just kind of have meshed together as a group. And they're a team that no one wants to play right now. And it's the same with, uh, um, you know, I think you're battling with like teams like Minnesota and and like that. I mean, St. Louis, those teams that are in the mix. You know, the Jackets beat Minnesota, came back, scored in the last minute on Friday night, and beat the Wilds. So, you you know, the playoff teams that the Jackets are facing right now probably don't want to see this team on the schedule because they're playing with a little bit of confidence, and they're playing with uh, kind of a, you know, they want to be the spoiler. There's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder right now of this Jackets team that uh, they felt the disrespect coming into the season, and they're having fun kind of showing people that even if it's not a playoff season, it's at least a team that is uh, that is building for the future and, and, and believes in itself. And, and it's been kind of fun to watch them uh, be a little bit more than the sum of the, their parts this year. Uh, so it's been kind of fun here to see that happen. Um, and and well, I guess we'll see where it goes from there. But it's, it's been a good group to follow this year, that's
1: for sure. Talk about Patrick Laine and what he's meant. He's had his ups and downs there. Of course, last year was not the year that he had anticipated, or I, I'm sure uh, the Jackets hadn't anticipated. But this year, certainly starting to heat up. He He's playing more like the superstar that you knew that he was, that he proved he was in Winnipeg. And then also speak about, you know, you you talked about earlier about Boom Jenner being out, Jacob Voracek also being out. Is the injury to Voracek, is that going to hurt Line a in any in any way? It didn't last night, but, you know, it's kind of a big loss when you have that cohesion.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting because Voracek and Line have played a lot of hockey together, but they've also played a lot of games uh, not on the same line. And it was kind of said coming into the season that the main reason – that they wanted to acquire Jake Voracek, uh, traded Cam Atkinson, one of the top scorers in franchise history for Voracek. Was that, you know, they really thought that Line A and Voracek would have a lot of chemistry, uh, with Line A being obviously one of the best shots in the league, and Voracek being one of the top assist men. So the kind of the thought was that those guys would play a lot of hockey together. But they have stuff up a fair amount as the season has gone on. And in fact, they had not been playing together recently, um, and so it's hard to say that it would necessarily impact Line A. Um, But he certainly, when you add, you know, Boone Jenner's been a center for most of the year and has really meshed well with him, you know, a guy that goes hard to the net and can be there either to to screen shots or tip shots or get rebounds and things like that. Um, That one might end up actually hurting uh, uh, Patrick Line a little bit more than Voracek, but, you know, it's been a bounce-back season for sure for Laine. Last year just did not go well, you know, a trade early in the season here, um, whether it was just trying to get used to a new team in, in an adverse situation with the pandemic or whether it was just the fact that that team... Last year really struggled uh, pretty much the entire season. Whatever it was, it just did not mesh last year. But you know, he came back pretty dedicated to have a much better season. Um, and it's pretty much been a much better player from the word go. Uh, and especially the last probably month or so, it looked like a completely different player than a year ago. You know, The energy level is much higher. He doesn't get as frustrated as easily. And the talent certainly has always been there and has really been shining through these last couple of games. And it's been really fun to watch. I think he's got 17 goals in his last 19 games. Uh, you know, he, he's one of the, the elite players in the NHL when it comes to, to putting the puck in the net. You know, Vegas saw it last night with the, the power play goal he had very early. Um, you know, not an easy shot, and he just absolutely drilled it, nailed it. Uh, yeah, he's got yeah. that ability. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's been working for him. It, it's weird in this sport. Sometimes when it goes wrong, it really goes wrong. And sometimes when it goes right, it really goes right. It, maybe the confidence is an issue in, in both of the situations, but he's been playing with confidence, and it's been working so far this year.
3: Hey, Jeff, whenever I watch the Jackets, I'm always impressed by the effort. They never stop grinding. They never stop digging. and That, to me, is always a reflection of the coach. I don't know anything about Brad Larson. I, I, I know he's a longtime assistant under Tortorella and probably learned a lot there. What kind of a hockey coach is Brad Larson?
0: It's been interesting because I think a lot of Blue Jackets fans honestly did not know a lot about Brad Larson coming into this season. Uh, even though he had been on staff for a long time, uh, he was mainly just known among the fan bases as, as being the assistant coach that was in charge of the power play for a long time. And that power play had struggled. So it was honestly it was not a very popular hire here. But I think as um, people have gotten to know him and, and kind of see how this team has battled and how this team has fought, it, it's been really cool to kind of see – uh, the, how the Blue Jackets have, have embraced this team and um, embraced the kind of style of play they're playing under Brad Larson. Uh, they've certainly been one of the more offensive teams in the league. Um, I think, ideally, you know, they probably wouldn't give up as many goals as they've given up this year. Uh, I think they're one of the, the worst teams in the league as far as uh, preventing goals, but they're also one of the top-scoring teams in the league, so they've, they're playing some pretty entertaining hockey, and I think that's just more of the personnel that they have than anything else. They're very young on the back end. Uh, the, the defensive core might be the youngest in the NHL. I'd be stunned if it's not. And then if you look up front, you've got guys like Line A who can fill up the net. So it, it's been kind of a freewheeling, fun style of hockey that Lars has, has leaned into um, with the personnel that they have. Uh, but the big thing about this season was with so much change here over the last couple of years. You mentioned John Tortorella, you know, no longer with the organization. You, know, you look around the league and see the guys that have left here over the last couple of years or traded. And Nick Felinos and Seth Jones and Cam Atkinson's. you can go on down the list. Um, it was. this was not necessarily, again, a rebuild season, but a reload. But what they really wanted to get out of this year, you know, new leadership crew, new head coach, a lot of new players, was was making sure that that hard-working identity was going to be reestablished. And it wasn't going to go anywhere, even with all the turnover. And certainly, if you watched the game last night and you've seen what they've done these last little bit here, uh, you can say that that has definitely happened. Uh, there is There is a culture... Um, that has been here for a while under Torts about you know just working hard and, and never giving up and it's something that they've really continued under Lars. and as one of the youngest teams in the league you know Cole Sillinger 18 years old has a hat trick last night that's a name you're probably gonna have to get used to as an NHL fan because um, this is a, a young kid with a heck of a lot of talent and there's a lot more like him that are in this organizational pipeline that, that this could be a really fun team to watch going forward over the next couple of years. And it seems like they've really responded well to Brad Larson.
3: I was going to ask you about Sillinger, uh, Jeff, and, and it has nothing to do with the hat trick last night. I, I would have noticed him anyway. He's good size for 18, and you have to assume he's going to put on more muscle. And hey, he impressed me with his hockey IQ. He, I didn't see any mistakes by him. I mean, he scored those three goals because he was in the right spot every time.
0: Yeah, he really is an impressive player to watch at 18 years old. He's the youngest guy in the league this year um and yeah I, he was born to do it that's kind of the phrase people use is that you know obviously he's the son of mike sillinger who played 17 years in the nhl um was, he was actually born in columbus ohio because mike played here for the blue jackets back in the day uh so it's kind of funny even though cole grew up in well a whole bunch of different places um he's actually was born in, in columbus ohio so it's kind of a cool thing that he ended up being a blue jacket this year drafted 12th overall this past season but you know, they you know, they always say, like, the coach's son is the, you know, the guy that understands the game and is always in the right place and things like that. Um, you know, Silly might be the same way with just you know, being around the league for so long and, and watching his dad play. He understands the game. It, it's really stunning. Just for as young as he is, the ability that he has defensively, uh, the ability he has to be in the right place at the right time, it, it's just uncanny. It's like he was born to do it. And So, um, you know, they've had him killing penalties this year as the youngest player in the league. They've had him protecting one-goal leads. In the last five minutes, in the last two minutes, heck, as the youngest player in the league, um, it's, it's really – he's cut from a different cloth, man. And uh, he's got offensive ability that's coming along. You saw it a little bit last night. But when this guy's, you know, two, three, four years down the road, he's going to be probably like a – you know, you could see that him being a 25-goal, 65-point guy who's also one of the top centermen in the league defensively. Uh, he's a unique player. And it's, it, the ceiling is incredibly high for Cole Cylinder. Let's just put it that way.
1: We're talking to Jeff Savota, the – uh, writer for BlueJackets.com. dot com and Jeff, just going back to Tortorella real quick. I mean, you know, was there anything there? I mean, was it just they needed another voice? Uh, 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 obviously, uh, they hired somebody under the umbrella of Tortorella. Was it was it that, or was did management say, "Hey, look, we got a young team here"? we think Tortorella would do better maybe with a veteran team, and, and we, don't, we want to kind of move forward brand new with, with everybody, as a, uh, at not only as, uh, as players, but also as a coaching staff as well.
0: It's interesting. It was built in the offseason as kind of a parting of ways, a mutual breakup, right. and I honestly think that was honestly what happened. Um, I think both sides kind of appreciated where the relationship had gone, and what they had done with each other, and what they'd accomplished with each other, but I think both sides also kind of saw that maybe it was time to go a different direction. Um, and it also kind of coincided, as you said, with the team getting a lot younger. Uh, you know, a lot of the veterans that had really bought into the Tortorella ways and had really brought in a lot of the success that they had under uh, Torts were, were traded or were going to be leaving the organization. Um, and so, from the management side of it, I think you know this, this is a league where coaches are hired to be fired, and, and you've seen it out of Vegas too with some of the the quick trigger last year was Gerard Gallant. Um, you know, the coaches don't last a very long time in this league necessarily, but Torch had been here for, I mean, six full seasons um, and and really had, had put in a, a full shift of effort here with the Blue Jackets. And I think, um, you know, management understood that, that maybe it was time to go a different direction. And I think Torch was ready to go a different direction as well uh, for a lot of the same things is that he really loved and appreciated his time here, but just felt like it was time for him to do something different and for this, this team to have a bit of a different voice. And so it's weird that that often happens, but I think it was just one of those, Mutual things that it kind of looked like, you know, both sides saw what each other needed and kind of just came to the same conclusion of, hey, let's let's try something different here. And so I honestly think that if the pandemic hadn't happened, Torts may have not coached last year. Uh, I think he was really on the fence as to whether the 2019-2020 season was going to be his last year. Uh, And then, you know, the the pandemic happens and and there was a thought of like, you know, let's come back, let's make one more, try to run, try to have one more run here in 2021. Um, and obviously last year ended up kind of being a disaster from the word go from this team. It just was a struggle all the way along. And so I, I think he was he was already thinking about going, and then after last year and then looking forward, he, he thought it was the right time. And an organization, I think, probably thought the same thing as well. So um, he he was a tremendous uh, advocate of Columbus hockey. And, brought, and the most success this franchise has ever had was under John Tortorella, but it was – you know, in a league where coaches get hired to get fired, it was probably time uh, for both sides to look at other directions.
1: Was there a time, it, turning back the clock a little bit, uh, on William Carlson, who is now obviously in, in Vegas? who has been here for a while. But a uh, few people remember he played uh, not only a few games, I mean, he played 165 games with the Jackets. Was there a sense in the organization when he left Columbus and and went to Vegas and had 43, 43 goals and won the Lady Bing and and was a plus forty nine uh, on a plus minus? Was there was there a feeling in the organization like what, what did we just give up we we had no we had no idea that this was there or was that another situation where William Carlson just needed uh, another a new environment? which you got here.
0: That is a great question because, boy, it sure worked out for Vegas and William Carlson, didn't it? Because um, you look back, and I mean, William Carlson was a, a heck of a player here. But he was, I think, you know, watching the team and being around the team, and uh, you know, certainly the Jackets made some moves around that uh, that expansion draft, as a lot of teams did, uh, to kind of keep the assets that they wanted. And William Carlson was a the guy they were willing to part with, uh, and, you know, and a the guy they kept. The guy they really wanted to keep was the guy Josh Anderson, who has been a you know mid twenties goal scorer. Um, one of the most physical players in the league, so certainly a pretty good talent in his own right. Uh, but I, I do think that there was kind of a sense of like, you know we everyone appreciated William Carlson as a player, but I don't think that there was a whole lot of people here that saw forty some goals and plus forty nine or whatever he said it was. I mean, that was a, a real revelation where you look back and' like, wow, we did not see that coming. Um, it just felt like you know he was certainly a good player here, but a guy that just that stealing um, was just not something that that you really saw here. and you know and watching the the team back then, you know certainly you appreciate him as a player, but you know, I certainly didn't expect him to go to Vegas and score 40 goals, but it was incredible for him that it worked out. And like I said, in this game, when it's a funny game that, you know, sometimes when the confidence is flowing and things are just working your way, uh, you can do some incredible things. And, and certainly that season, uh, that whole season for Vegas, that first year was incredible for everyone out there, uh, but no one more so than William Carlson. And it just seemed like he was the perfect player at the perfect time to take advantage of uh, what was going on out there. And so, so you know, it, it's been cool, though, to see the success that he's had because he's a good guy. I know he was very well-liked here. Um, and so... For him to go out there and have the uh, success he did uh, was was great for William Carlson, that's for sure.
3: Hey, Jeff, uh, obviously things have not been going well here lately for the Vegas Golden Knights, and obviously and the biggest reason for that are the injuries. But in watching the game last night, Jeff, is there anything that stood out to you that, boy, Vegas, if they could just get that corrected, they'd be better off?
0: Yeah, that's that's a great question because I do think Vegas had plenty of chances. I mean, I know scoring has been an issue for the Golden Knights. I think I looked. It was, in the thirteen games coming in, they had averaged two goals a game, and thir- those thirteen games before that—what so. a ton of shots um,
1: on net, though! I mean, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. It's, so, it's about the finish, Jeff. That just yeah. drives you nuts because it's not like they're—they're they're going into these games with, or coming out of these games with twenty-five shots on net. It's the finish that's not happening.
0: Yeah, and so maybe that just goes to show you—you know—what what do hockey players say when they're not scoring? They say, you know, they, they, when they're not scoring, they say as long as they're getting chances, they feel like it's going to come around. And so maybe it's just that simple for Vegas. Is that, you know if you just they're just not going in right now, but if, if you know if they just start going in, you're going to be a very different team. And and I think maybe there's a parallel here. I was thinking this earlier when we were talking a couple years ago when the Blue Jackets got Matthew Shane at the trade deadline. And Matthew Shane was one of the top guys available on the market in 2019. And he comes in and this was a team that was playing really well and he comes comes in, you know, they had a great player it's a deadline, and they could not get it going for the first probably twelve or thirteen games, and they were pretty much dead in the water, out of a playoff spot. And then something clicked, and they ended up winning seven of their last eight. They go into the playoffs. Uh, they upset Tampa Bay in the first round, one of the great teams in NHL history. They sweep them in the first round. And so, you know, sometimes all it takes is is you know just something that just needs to click. Something needs to go around, and, and maybe that's I kind of look at maybe that's what's happening with a guy like Jack Eichel. It's, maybe it's a little bit of like Duchesne a couple years ago, where it's just taken a little bit of time for everyone to figure out what's going on here. And maybe you're having some bad luck. And maybe you have a game, you win 5 nothing here, uh, and the suddenly it flips and you start going on a, on a tear. So it might just be that simple. Um, but I do think, as I said at the beginning, I mean, I, you did have better goaltending than you had last night. You can't give up six goals a game and win. And I don't think that's been a consistent issue for Vegas, but I do think that does need to get figured out. Um, from, if you're asking me what I saw last night, I think that, that certainly had to be better. Um, and then maybe, as I said, you just get something going your way and then it kind of takes off from there.
1: Well, real quick, Jeff, uh, get your. I want to get your feelings on the power play units because again, uh, I've been pretty critical of, of Vegas's power play unit that seems to be, uh, you know, a, a march or so down low and, and Eichel, you know, on the half wall seems to be a pitch and catch. Not much movement on the power play, but then I'm watching Columbus's power play and there is a ton of movement and that created space and passing lanes and opportunities. Did you notice the difference between the two units last
0: night? I can't say I noticed it a ton, but I mean, I think you are right there is that, you know, you can't overthink power plays. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, the puck moves faster than a person. So you need, you basically need to have have a plan as far as how you're going to move the puck. You need to have, um, you should be able to create opportunities. You should be able to use that puck uh, to move people around and then create open shots and open opportunities. And so um, we've, we've watched a lot of bad power plays here over the years. And sometimes they just get stagnant. Sometimes, uh, you're right. Yeah, it comes down to things like movement and quick decisions and, and things like that. And so um, I can't specifically remember a ton of difference last night. But um, you know, there are a lot of people smarter. A lot of people who are smarter than me have, have figured it out. But I do think um, you know, it seems to me, if you look at the talent on the Vegas team, and, and maybe there's not, um, you know, you was a guy like Mark Stone and things like that. And, and I think Pacharetti was out as well. So you've got some pretty good scorers who are not part of it. But you look at the names out there. and you know, Marcheseau has been a consistent goal scorer over the years. Riley Smith also out. But you certainly have Jack Eichel. You, you've got some people out there, um, pretty good power play defensemen, I think, as well, that, that should be able to figure that out. So, um, and, then, and maybe that's another one of those things that, again, when, when it starts raining and starts pouring, both good and bad, where if it's a struggle right now, a couple go in and maybe it turns around. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out for the, for the Golden Knights.
1: Well, Jeff, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, anytime that uh, the, the Knights in Columbus uh, get together, we're going to have you on to talk about your thoughts. You've been fantastic. I appreciate it.
0: Love it. Glad to hear it. And we love coming out there. It's always a fun trip on Vegas and a great rink. So uh, it's, it's so fun to have you guys in the league. And i um, always impressed by the support out there. Uh, everyone I'm wondering how Vegas hockey was going to do. It, it's awesome. There's such a great fan base out there. Uh, glad to have you guys.
1: Well, We appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you. Jeff Sabota. The writer for BlueJackets.com, and that does it for another day from Vegas Hockey Hotline, wraps it up. We'd like to thank Jeff from BlueJackets.com, Alan Snell from sportsbiz.com, our old friend Zig Verkasi as well, and the reason why we're here, Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos and the STN app. Tomorrow... Patrick Engel from Notre Dame's Blue and Gold Illustrated will be with us. Ben Goetz from the RJ, he'll talk about the Knights. And Andrew Bershire from the Montreal Canadiens will get an update on uh, how they like our, our our trade that we sent up there. So we'll get an update on our, our one kid up there. But he's been uh, obviously fantastic. But, well, buddy, we did it again. Marie, we fooled him again. We, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow at, at 10 o'clock for – Sportsbook Radio and then Vegas Hockey Hotline at 11.
3: Real quick, Dana, uh, Austin Matthews did get suspended today, two two games games for the hit on Darlene. So there's that. That's about right. That's about right. I I figured one game, but I don't have a problem with two.
1: I don't either, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow, but I'm telling you, it looked retaliatory, and he's a guy that I think is frustrated.
3: All right, everybody have a good afternoon.
1: You can name, and the best game you can name is the
0: good old hockey.